This is Sports Jam, and my guest is a well-known person in our area because he wears a Super Bowl ring from the New York Giants. And not only was he a punter with five different teams, including the Giants and Jets in 10 seasons in the NFL, he was once named the fittest man in the league. And I tell you what, he still could be. He's a personal development coach. He's a trainer. He has his own podcast. He's an entrepreneur. Steve Weatherford joins us on Sports Jam. Steve, great to see you joining us from Frisco, Texas, your new home. Hey, Doug, man, it's good to be on here, man. I enjoyed uh, catching up with you a a few minutes before we hit record on here, and you've been doing this for a long time, man. Um, And so, dude, I'm just going to, I'm going to be on here and try not to screw it up, man. You're the pro. (laughs) Now you have your own podcast. You know what it's all about. You'll be coming to the Meadowlands not to play football, but to host an important seminar to become the CEO of your life is how you have labeled it. And we're going to talk about that seminar in just a moment. But of course, we're going to go to the 2011 Super Bowl champion Giants first, having a 10-year reunion coming up in September, marking that amazing 21-17 win over the New England Patriots, led by legendary quarterback Tom Brady. Barring a defensive foul, the game ends here to the end zone. Hernandez is there, tipped and batted. Gronkowski can't get it. Incomplete. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. NBC's Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth of the call of the game that had Eli Manning as the MVP. It was played at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, Steve, you're from Indiana. Did it have even more significance to you because of that? Yeah, I mean, Doug, it's the Super Bowl, dude. I mean, it's going to have a special significance <laughs> anyway. Uh, you could play it in Antarctica. Um, but it, it it made it feel like it was like, a storybook ending except for like it wasn't the end of my career you know so you could imagine the excitement that uh you know a skinny I mean I went into high school Doug at 108 pounds um I started chewing tobacco at 14 years old and I still chew tobacco Doug you know what I mean I'm from Indiana man and I'm not saying everybody from Indiana does it but like to be able to go back to where you grew up, to where you're legit, Doug, 67 miles from where you went to high school. You know what I mean? Like 67 miles from the place where I kissed my first girl. You know what I mean? To where I used to go party out in the cornfields. Like I'm back home, except for I'm playing in the Super Bowl in front of 124 million people. Uh, yeah, it was pretty significant, pretty special, Doug. There was something about that Giants makeup that always gave the Patriots trouble in the big game something about the defense of course you know really when you look at being a punter your job is to put that offense at a disadvantage you know Mm -hmm. and you had several good punts uh, during that game and you've been a terrific punter all your life but what was the mindset not only for you but for the Giants going did you really think you could beat that team well we just knew that we had nothing to lose Doug you know Um, And it's such a great position to be in. And if you look back at the 2008 Super Bowl where the Patriots were undefeated and the Giants beat them out in Arizona in the desert to ruin that season, same mindset, like 
Tom Brady is supposed to win. Like, guess what, dude? It's 10 years later. You and I are sitting here talking about this reunion. And I've been retired for like four years as a punter after 10 years in the NFL. And we're talking about how the dude that I'm talking about still playing, Doug. Like, that's the crazy thing. You know what I mean? I'm on the shelf for four years. And I'm, we're still t- telling stories about beating this guy. And he's still winning Super Bowls. So um, we knew that we had nothing to lose, you know? So just imagine the teams that go against him now, like how much they already feel like they're beat before they get onto the field. And not because he's so much better. Like the just the guy, because he can't throw like he used to be able to throw, Doug. But the guy just finds a way to win. And like that to me is just so much more impressive than somebody – um, and I love Michael Vick. He was one of my favorite players, but he was like, once his athletic ability started to fade, his value started to fade. But as Tom Brady's, you know, physical attributes have started to fatigue and fade, his value is is still premier and, and still rising. You know, he's still winning Super Bowls, you know, for, for franchises who've been kind of in the bottom of the bucket for quite a few years. So, um, I know that that was a roundabout answer to your question, but yeah, like we just had nothing to lose. So why not go out there and just give it our best shot? Weatherford, his third punt of the game. And you've got Wes Walker back to receive it. He angles the kick, and that is a beauty. Tom Coughlin said it's all about directional punting. Perfect. Ball at the four with four minutes to go in the hand. Something that may be even bigger and more impressive than the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl when, when you were part of the team uh, just happened about three weeks ago. Your wife gave birth to Kingston Pat <laughs> Weatherford more than 12 pounds at birth. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like when I was telling, I was telling Doug, like we were just make, he was just double checking some of his facts. He's like, you're, how do I see your hometown? Terre Haute, Indiana. So we're going through some of those statistics. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I just, I just had a son about three weeks ago as well. He's like, Oh, cool. Um, I go, yeah, my son's 12 pounds. He's like, Oh, he's 12 pounds at three weeks. That's impressive. I'm like, no, no, no. Rewind that Doug, play it back. My son was born and he was 12 pounds, three ounces, and he was 24 inches long. And, and the craziest thing is Doug that my wife, didn't have a C-section, so it was natural. She had an epidural, but she walked out of, of the hospital 23 hours later. It was the most inspiring thing that I have ever seen anybody do. And she didn't even have to like push so hard. I have a GoPro video of it. It's totally PG um, from over her shoulder. And she pushes for one minute and 48 seconds and the baby comes out. Like that's how long she was in like actively pushing. It's like, that's when you know to me, Like, that's when I know God is so real. When you see the miracle of life happen, but you watch it happen so smoothly. And like, I don't want to say effortlessly, but if you watch the video, you would be like, my goodness, like, how how did that just happen? It was just, it's like watching a miracle, man. So any of you moms or dads that are out there, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, But to be able to watch that happen and then see it uh, result in a 12 pound kid, Doug, that's pretty supernatural, my man. Less than uh, a couple of days after another Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to you. Now, is she a fitness freak like you? No, man, not at all. It's crazy. Like we'll go out to 
we go out on a, a, a date night every single Friday. Like it's non-negotiable. We have six kids now, like even the week she was going into to labor, we still do our date night. So the reason I mentioned that is I go out to eat with her often because she likes to go out to eat. To me, I'm like, dude, food is fuel. Like, I just want to hurry up and go. If I could just take a pill that was would give me calories so I could just keep doing what I'm doing. That'd be great. I got extreme ADHD if you haven't noticed. <laughs> and um, so we sit down for dinner and it never fails. You know, the, the waiter will always come bring like the lasagna with the side of steak and hash browns and sit that in front of me and then put the romaine salad, you know, with the, the, the chopped salmon on it and the, the side of Caesar light, put that in front of my wife. And my wife's like, no, 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 put that stuff over here, get the rabbit food out of here. And I'm sitting here eating, you know, drinking green juice and everything. So now she's just like, that's why I say it's like a miracle because she's not maniacal about her body. She's not maniacal about, you know, you know, the different systems and processes and routines that she has in her life. But the way that she's able to get pregnant, the way she's able to carry the baby and the way that she's able to deliver it. It's like watching LeBron play basketball. Like when you watch somebody who was just built to do what they're doing right now at the highest level. My wife is the goat. She's like the Tom Brady of having babies. It's funny that you mentioned LeBron James because uh, just moments before we went on the air, I had Malcolm D. Lee, who is the director of Space Jam, starring LeBron James. It's coming out. The movie's coming out July 16th with all the Looney Tune characters. Uh, You are indeed a character. People know that. And that, uh, but when your fitness routine, I want you to show people your guns right now. Like you showed me right before. Oh, so they can see me on video? Uh, yeah, yeah, they can yeah, that's see. right. Well, then let me show you. We were talking about the Super Bowl earlier. There's my Lombardi up there on the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, Doug. This is what 38 years young looks like, baby. <laughs> now, as I mentioned earlier on the show, that at one time you were named the league's fittest man. Why is fitness so important to Steve Weatherford? Well, I mean, I was talking, you know, earlier, I was 108 pounds when I started high school, like I was athletic, you know, that was something that God has definitely blessed me with. But in order for me to, to, to take athletics and, you know, to be able to really do things that other people can't do, I knew I was going to need to build up my body. So I just got obsessed with muscle and fitness and the bodybuilding encyclopedia and, and nutrition and supplements and to the point where I remember my dad calling me into his office when I was 17 years old. He called me at school because it was before we had cell phones. And he said, hey, I, I need you to stop by my office. I want to talk to you. And I remember walking in there and he said to me, he goes, Steve, he goes, I'm not mad at you. I just want to get you help. But a couple of the guys in my office have been talking. There's a rumor going around that you're taking steroids. And I'm like, my dad's old school. So he wasn't the type of dad that'd be like, dude, you've been working so hard and patting you on the back. And I can tell you're getting strong. He's old school Indiana dad, great dad. But he wasn't, you know, a lover and an affirmer. But that to me was like the greatest compliment that my dad could ever give me is like, Son, you're making so much progress that I I can't believe that you're doing it and you're not cheating. Um, So that was like the biggest feather in my cap. And and I love my father on my father. That was probably one of the most encouraging conversations we ever had, you know, because it it affirmed all my grind. You know, when you mentioned Terre Haute, Indiana, you know, most people think of Larry Bird. Were you a Larry Bird fan? Dude, my high school basketball coach, Doug, was his high school basketball coach. So every once in a while. Uh, like unannounced Larry would like 
dip into the high school gym and just kind of like, you know, sit there and watch a little bit. Dude, if you want to watch some effort levels of some 14, 15 and 16 year old kids go from like really good to like extraordinary, let Larry Bird walk in and watch you practice, dude. Oh, my gosh. Um, so he had a really great relationship with my high school basketball coach. So he was around a lot, but my, my coach was so old school, Doug, we had shorts, like, man, our nuts were almost hanging out of our shorts. They were so short and we had to wear socks up to like mid calf. If we had any tattoos, you had to put tape over it. He made us shave our face, no hair over our ears, no cornrows, nothing, dude. Like we were like the old school Hoosiers. And we and the, we had sick athletes. Like I was an all-American decathlete in college. I'm a I'm a freak athlete, right? And I'm not like boasting or anything. I'm just saying, like, if you have a team of really athletic guys, you should let them play basketball. But we averaged like 38 points a game because we had like 10 passes before we could shoot. It was awful, man. But we were good and we won, you know. You played a number of sports in high school, so you were really indeed. Uh, you know, an overall athlete. And then I, I guess you would tell young kids not to focus on one sport, right? No, heck no, man. I would say like focus on becoming a good athlete by going and playing sports. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to learn what you need to get better at by exposing yourself. Like, and here's the deal. I just feel like in society in general, we want to protect ourselves, but we definitely want to protect our kids. So like, oh, before my son joins the team, I need to get him some lessons. Well, a lot of us don't have money or we don't have time to get our kids lessons, but we want to protect their feelings. No, you're supposed to put them in sports so they can suck. So once you suck a little bit, you'll be motivated to get better at things. Like, you know, if you if you're really good at baseball, but you go play soccer and you're like, man, they run a lot. I'm overweight. I need to get in shape or this is going to suck. Well, guess what? That had just improved your life. That's what sports are supposed to do. Parents think sports are supposed to like, we're supposed to do that so they can all get scholarships and go to the pros. No, sports are to build community. It's to build character and it's to get our kids active and in shape. Like we want to protect our kids instead of going out and letting their kids be exposed. And that's what, you know, if we, if we make our kids lives so easy, what do you think that that's going to make them as adults? You know what I mean? Do you think that's like, Tough times create hard men. Hard times create tough men. Soft times create soft leaders, man. And I feel like we're we're raising a lot of soft leaders right now, not in my home. And I'm not saying like I'm better than anybody else, but I believe that a little bit of daily discomfort and discipline is going to grow you into what you're capable of being, not what you're comfortable to be, if that makes sense. We're talking with Steve Weatherford here on Sports Jam and you were a tremendous high school athlete, but when you went to Illinois, you had to redshirt for the first year. So that had to be something that you had to adjust to, I would imagine. Did that motivate you to become a terrific punter in college? Um, it definitely motivated me, um, but it it also, like, I knew I was good enough to play that year, but it was like, you have to wait your turn, but from a maturity standpoint, like I was not ready for college, Doug. I was not ready to like wake myself up. I wasn't, you know, mature enough to get myself to class on time. You know, I was drinking, I was being a knucklehead. It was like freedom. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm, it actually ended up benefiting me in a major way. Cause it gave me a year uh, to grow up and also to continue to master my craft. Cause when I said freedom, I was always working hard. I was in the weight room, 
I was, you know, working on my punting, on my flexibility, but I wasn't working in the school. Um, I wasn't working on, uh, on my homework and things like that. So it took me a year of getting like not good grades and kind of like the coach being like, dude, you know, if you think you want to do something with your athleticism, you better get serious about the things that matter. And you have to be a leader in all areas of your life. And so it was really conversations like that, you know, from from high school age, you know, and there's def- different cathartic conversations, Doug, that I think you and I and probably everybody listening to this, we can remember different conversations where people have pulled us aside and said, dude, you're capable of so much more than what you're doing right now. uh, And you're doing it to yourself. Um, It was it was that conversation to me that allowed me to say, whoa, you know, this head coach of the, you know, university fighting Illini, Ron Turner's thinks that I can go pro. But if I don't get these areas of my life in order and I don't I don't I don't create discipline in all areas of my life, I can't just be disciplined with my nutrition and my training, but not be disciplined with my schoolwork and all the other things that you and I don't want to do. You can't compartmentalize discipline. And so different conversations like that, just like over time, being exposed to those mentors have allowed me to. uh to feel confident that I can raise six kids or I can go out and be an entrepreneur or I can be good enough at managing my time that I can make space in my life to do interviews with people like you, Doug. Like I enjoy this, man, but if I'm not good at stewarding my time and I'm not good at stewarding, you know, my gifts, I'm not going to have time to sit down and have conversations with this about like conversations that, that matter the most. I love football and I definitely want to have more football conversations, but I feel like the real value in overhearing our conversation, Doug, not even an interview, just somebody overhearing our conversation is like, well, what did I learn and how could I apply that into my life? You know, because you've done some amazing things. Like there's definitely wisdom that you can give me that would allow me, because I've only been doing my podcast for three years. You have so many more hours and so many more seasons and so many more tactics um, and wisdoms that I just don't know yet. And they'll only come with experience or they'll come from getting wisdom from somebody who has gone there and done it before. So I choose to learn um, from wisdom versus experience. I mean, experience, there's no teacher like it. But what would your life be like if you depended on your experiences and the wisdom of people who had gone there before you have? And AKA, that's just a fancy way of saying like, I'm coachable, Doug. I just want to be great. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure that uh, everything that Steve Weatherford is doing, he, he has turned it into something special. I, I did want to ask you before we, we talked about, you know, entrepreneurship and things like that is because sports has become so specialized, you know, we see in baseball that now it's, all about uh, closers, you know, that used to be the pitchers could go nine innings and, and in, in football, do punters get more respect now than they did many years ago? Yeah, dude. Some of those punters are getting paid 4 million bucks a year, Doug. You know what? Nothing, nothing says respect like money. You know (laughs) what I mean? Am I lying? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, nothing says respect like money. And, and I remember, I mean, it wasn't always this way, dude. I was a league minimum guy until I think like my sixth or seventh year. But then I got a five, I got a five-year extension for like $13 million with like a three and a half million dollar signing bonus. And I had the respect of my teammates just because I was a weight room guy and I was accountable and I was disciplined and I was an encourager and I was a team guy. 
But when you when you stack an M behind your contract, people are like, dang, because not only do I respect you, but now the ownership, the team, like they respect you because nothing says respect like them paying you. So when you get respect from the management and from the, the, the head coach, and then you're also getting it from your teammates because you earned that, man, that's, that's why my time with the New York Giants was like my favorite, not just because we won Super Bowls and, you know, that's the team that rewarded me financially the most. Um, it was because of the relationships that I built, but you can't build those types of relationships unless you earn that type of respect. And I earned that contract. You know, when we played in the Super Bowl, I had four punts. They had zero return yards. Um, and every single time that Tom Brady came out after I punted, it was the two-yard line, the six-yard line, the four-yard line, and the eight-yard line. Man, that, that makes for a really, really difficult time because you don't have much space. Now, Weatherford, a great off-season acquisition. will try to pin New England deep, and he bounces it at the two-yard line, and it's a great punt. Weatherford so instrumental in so many wins. This season, 12 punts against San Francisco and a great hole to set up Tynes' field goal. Here comes Brady into England. After our first punt, the, the very next play, Justin Tuck sacked him in the end zone um, for the first two points for a safety. You know what I mean? So, um, and I'm not saying that to self-promote. I'm just saying that, you know, that's the reason that I was, you know, a, afforded the ability to get paid as one of the top paid guys. So, um that was a long answer to your question. Do they get respect? Well, yeah, they get respect now because teams see the value in it. If you have a really good punter, it makes sense to pay him $4 million a year and make sure that you have him for the next five years. Who are you looking forward to seeing the most in this 10 year reunion of the Super Bowl champion Giants? Um, my long snapper, Zach Diossi, and my kicker, Lawrence Tyne, obviously, because I spent tons of time with those guys. But I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Tuck. Um, Antrell Roll, Eli, you know, when I was the five years that I played there, those were the latter years of, um, of my career. And so I was, I think I got there when I was like 28 and I played there till I was 34 almost. Um, and so I had a family, I had two, three, I had four kids by the time that, um, that I retired. And so I spent a lot of times with the dads, you know, so the guys that were more our age. I wasn't, you know, going to the clubs and stuff. I was more, you know, we would have like daddy daughter dates together. You like me and me and Lawrence time would take our kids to go do things together on an off day. Um, so I built relationships with Chris Snee and those types of guys. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting back around those guys because some of our, our kids are like in high school or some of them are even graduating from high school and, there's a lot, there's a lot that changes in 10 years when you go from uh four years to 14 years. Like they're they're gonna remember my son being in the locker room at four, five, six years old. And now my son's almost six feet tall. Like that's crazy, you know. So I'm I'm excited to show my family off and um and I'm excited to see those guys and and see their families as well. You have a unique perspective. Not many people can say this that. They played for both the Jets and Giants. Throw out the Super Bowl. Is there a difference when it comes to fan bases, when it comes to just being treated as being a member of the Jets or being a member of the Giants in your mind? Yeah, Man Manhattan, I believe, 
that's more of the wine and cheese crowd. So when you're in Manhattan, it's almost like, I want to say all giants, but predominantly that's the giants. Um, and then they say the, uh, they say the Jets fans are like the, the beer people. Um, I'm from Indiana, so I'm more of a beer person. You know what I mean? I actually got along probably. Um, I related more with the Jets, Jets fans. Um, but the Giants fans are amazing, dude. It was awesome winning a Super Bowl for that franchise and then being able to experience Manhattan and everything it has to offer. Because um, even when you're a punter, man, people just wanted to be around the one of the guys that won the Super Bowl this past year. So I got to go to so many uh, really cool events and meet so many cool people. And it's just such a blessing uh, to grow up where I grew up to experience what I've experienced and then to be able to have the family that I have right now. Um, God is good, Doug. You know what I mean? Certainly has been for you, Steve. And when it comes to, you know, you can always tell your family, like you just told me in a couple of seconds, Tom Brady, the goat, right? You gave him the football inside the 10 yard line. Well, that's why he couldn't have those great drives against the Giants and what a great defense. And Justin Tuck has always been one of my favorite players. Followed him at Notre Dame uh, for many years. And uh, I was so glad that he was a part of the Super Bowl champions. Third and 10. Brady, he's going to get sacked at the 13 yard line. That's Justin to Tuck. Take the timeout. Have to take a timeout, and it's going to be fourth and forever here with 36 seconds. Tuck with two sacks in the game. You're listening to Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. My guest is former NFL punter Steve Weatherford, who not only has a Super Bowl ring with the New York Giants, but he also played for the New York Jets, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and New Orleans Saints during his NFL career. He's a fitness freak, and he's a motivational speaker and entrepreneur. And coming up on June 28th and 29th, he'll be at the Hilton Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for his two-day seminar, Becoming the CEO of Your Life. Now, you uh, have been holding events all over the country for entrepreneurs, high achievers, looking to get to the next level. Parents, people looking to strengthen their faith, and people want to expand their network. And it's all about your new program that you're going around to the country. And you deal with five different pillars, power pillars, you call them. Tell us about the event coming up at the Meadowlands and why it's important that people need to hear the message from Steve Weatherford. Um, I've had so thank you so much for, for allowing me to, to share with people about this. And it's going to be on June 28th and June 29th. It's actually going to be hosted at the Hilton Meadowlands, which is the hotel that I stayed at, um, that the Giants stayed at during training camp and also the night before games, we'd stay at this hotel. So I'm really excited about the venue. But what is CEO of your life? Um, and very simply, and you talk about the, the five power pillars, it's about establishing structure and order to the areas of your life that matter most. And, you know, I had exposure to my father, Doug, you had exposure to your father. And some people may not have had had exposure to fathers, but we only have our experience of our dad. And so the CEO of your life is about helping you get clear on what it is that you want. As entrepreneurs, a lot of times we can get distracted um, I know, Doug, for you as, as an entrepreneur and being a podcaster like this, it's really easy 
to get distracted and to, to take your eyes off the prize. And anytime as entrepreneurs or business owners that we take our eyes off the prize and we get distracted, then we start to make it about things that aren't our customer. Um, and so bringing people through the CEO of your life challenge is going to help you. We're going to take you through several different exercises. And the first one we're going to take people through is going to be vital signs. Um, if you were to go to the ER, you know, you felt sick after this podcast episode, the first thing you would do when you go to the ER, Doug, is you would allow them to take your vital signs. They would take your heart rate. They would hook you up to an EKG. They would test, test your blood, all these different things to see where you're at. So that's one of the things we're going to take these entrepreneurs through as well as we're going to take them through an exercise called vital signs. And that allows people to understand where they're at. And then we help to build them a roadmap to where they want to go. Um, we've done we've hosted these in San Diego, Frisco, Texas, Tampa. And I've been waiting for New Jersey uh, to open up. Finally, they uh, they lifted the mask mandate about two weeks ago, which allows us the opportunity to move in there and uh, spend two days. Um, working intensively on the business mission statement, the core values, leadership, mindset, marriage, and physical fitness. What's been the most wonderful reaction to becoming the CEO of your life that you have received in those other areas that have made you say, yeah, I'm doing something right here? Uh, seeing people come in who've always wanted to write a book, um, coming in and and being able to get the clarity and being able to get the encouragement and, and the practical tactical steps to take next. And then I see them three months from then and they hand me a copy of their book and they say, thank you. Or somebody that came in with an idea for a product or a service and they have maybe a nine to five job right now and they've always wanted to launch a cookie company but they've never known, like, I don't know how to do a website. I don't know how to do e-commerce. I don't know how to do the checkout process or email marketing. I don't even have a social media. When people walk in like that, and then 30 days later, they have a $10,000 month because they realize they, a lot of the things that they were disqualifying themselves for, they didn't really need anyway. You know, they think they need 10,000 followers on Instagram in order to do $1,000 a day in shipping cookies nationwide. You just don't need those things. And so I believe that the CEO of your life uh, event has given people permission to chase their dreams and, and still maybe started as a side hustle. Um, but if you don't have the structure in order to be able to add something like that onto your plate, you and I both right now are already like, man, my life is so busy. Like I can't handle anymore. Well, how are you ever going to build something that you don't make space for? Um, and so it's also going to allow people and teach people how to time manage and how to time block, which is something that I've become really good at, because if you're going to, you know, have three businesses, have a charitable foundation, have six kids, and then, you know, be really serious and committed husband, not just like, hey, I want to make sure that I pay the bills and encourage her and smack her on the butt every once in a while. No, like I want to be a great husband. I don't want to be good. And so what does great look like? Well, in order for me to figure out what great looks like, according to my wife, I got I have to date her every single Friday. But in order for me to date her every single Friday, like I have to structure that and plan that into uh, my calendar and more than into my calendar. Like, well, what is the order? What do I value most? You know, is it business? Is it family? Is it kids? Is it marriage? Is it physical fitness? And so more than just giving people a plan is like we help them to get clear on like, well, what are the things that are most important to me? 
and how can we take massive action on them fastest with the highest degree of predictability? Does that make sense to you, Doug? Am I explaining it, it well? You are. And the, the fact when we talk about these five pillars of life, I, I look at you as, you know, as this punter in the, in the National Football League, and you can tie all five of these into what made you a success because you have to, as, as a punter, you have to have the mental edge because if you shank one off the side of your foot, you got to be able to come back strong and you can't be thinking about that, or you would perhaps drop a, a, a snap or something that could be crucial physical. You're all about physicality because uh, you've been hitting the weight room since you were that young 108 pound kid sure. emotional. If you don't have your emotions in check, you're not punting four times inside the 10 yard line in the Super Bowl because you'd be all over the place with your emotions and spiritual. You have to be where, you know, you have to be okay with yourself. You have to be okay with your family in order to perform. And then the end result is financial. <laughs> and then you get paid, baby. You, you get paid for taking all those other four, making them work. And that's what a Super Bowl champion can do for you. So those who want to uh, attend the Hilton uh, Meadowlands in East Rutherford, how do they get uh, to get tickets? I would love for them to text me, Doug. Um, maybe you can put my number in the show notes or maybe flash it up on the screen. It's 949-763-5934. Um, just text me the word CEO and I will auto respond back to you uh, with the link to that. And also when you text me, um, if you don't mind, man, I would love to be able to text message you some encouragement um, and maybe a quote two or three times per week. Uh, this is something that I write personally, and I also uh, respond back to all the messages. So if there's anything that we've spoken about on here, whether you can come to my event or you can't come to my event, man, I would love to get you into my ecosystem. I also have a podcast called the Steve Weatherford Show, uh, High Performance Tactics for a High Performance Life. We talk about business. We talk about marriage. We talk about addiction. We talk about identity. Uh, we talk about purpose, you know, because at the end of the day, man, I know that I'm only going to live one life. Um, and for example, my son's 13 years old, Doug, I've got four more summers with my son. And so the sense of urgency that I'm living my life with right now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I want people to, to meet my level of commitment and meet my level of urgency because you have no idea how much you can do in a month. People overestimate what they can get done in a day, but they underestimate what they can get done in a month. But it takes a strategy. It takes structure. It takes intentionality. And these are all of the things that I talk about on my podcast, which is free, or you come to an event like the CEO of your life where you get to be in a room with me for two days. Um, from 9 until 3 p.m. Um, and we're going to be intensely focused on you. And there's only going to be 150 people in the room. Something like that only costs you $97. So this is not like a big money thing for me, man. This is something that has changed my life. It is a system. It is a process. And I know it can work for you because we coach hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs every single year in the same system and the same process with the same degree of predictability of success. Like if you work, it works. Text number again, 949-763-5934. Uh, text me CEO um, or just text me. Um, and as soon as you text me, even if you don't want this information, you'll be into my database and I'll be able to text message you um, every other morning. Who's been your favorite guest on your podcast so far? Probably Justin Tuck. Um Bart Scott was really good too. I love him. He's just a, a, an amazing teammate, an amazing person. Um, 
Dr. Oz is a big name that was on my podcast who really dropped a lot of super insightful information, not just on health and wellness, but I mean, he's also got five kids as well. And he's got like six different businesses. And I, so we asked him a lot of questions about intentionality, about strategy, about schedule, about date nights. Like how do you date your wife when you have six businesses, three TV shows, a podcast, you know what I mean? Like, how do you do all these things? So um, Michael Strahan was another amazing guest that we had um, as well. So yeah, man, I, I enjoy podcasting, man. That's one of the reasons like, you know, that I wasn't just willing to sit down with you that I, I genuinely enjoy this. Like I enjoy people. Like I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed hearing about your life before we started. Sorry, I was talking all about me, but uh, that's <laughs> kind of the reason I'm here. Two quick questions. The move to Frisco for you. Why did you do that? Um, well, A, California is getting ridiculously expensive. Um, but even before that, I've been getting mentored uh, by a man. Um, his name is Keith Kraft. Um, he's an entrepreneur slash pastor in, uh, in Frisco, Texas. And we've been doing that once a week via Zoom. I've been paying him to coach me. Um, and I really just felt stirred up that, that, you know, when you hear the quote, proximity is power, um, not just from a business standpoint or from a marriage standpoint or a leadership standpoint, really from, from a standpoint of like, I'm an athlete, man. And in order for me to be able to be my best, I, I can't have you tell me like the adjustments to make on my shot or on my kick. I actually need to watch you do it. And if I can watch you do it, I can replicate that. And so I'm, I'm very coachable and in, in things that I can see. And so I, I talked to my wife and she loved the changes and the adjustments and the developments and the way, ways that I was putting more structure and order uh, to our marriage and to our home life and to our kids and the way that we're raising them and, and the way that I was stewarding our finances. Um, she was happy with all of the adjustments in my coaching. So she said, man, I'd be willing to move to Frisco if you'd be willing to move to Frisco. So that was the reason that we moved here uh, was for mentorship was because proximity is power. And also at the end of the day, man, people in Texas value what we value. And uh, it's a whole lot easier for us to raise our kids in the way that we believe is right here versus California. So Kingston's middle name named after your friend? Yeah, he's he's named after Keith Kraft. I did that in, in his honor. Very nice. So the last question would be, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to know because I, I know you could have done it if you wanted to. If that right leg wasn't so powerful and flexible, what other position would Steve Weatherford have played at a high level on the football field? Um, you know, I was scholarship to the University of Illinois to be a kicker slash punter. Um, but after because I was redshirted in the spring of my freshman year, they actually asked me the the safety coach convinced the head coach to let me come out as a safety um, because I was just mashing people in the weight room and, uh, you know, all the the vertical jump and the broad jump, like all my numbers were like crazy off the charts. Um, he's like, dude, we got to put this guy at like an athletic position. Um, and I was good, um, but I didn't have the experience the other guys had. And so the coach said like, hey, this guy's going to be like an average to above average Big Ten safety or he'll be an All-American um, kicker and punter. You know, the best that's ever been at this school. And the coach obviously made the right decision to let me focus on kicking and punting. But I could have been a safety or maybe a wide receiver. 
I know the Super Bowl Giants reunion coming up for you in September will be huge. Congrats on your new child. Uh, I guess when you're 12 pounds at birth, Kingston, we're, we're going to look for big things from, from him. Goodness gracious. His stock is high on the draft board right now. And uh, congratulations to your wife. She must be amazing. And uh, we uh, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Jam and continued success. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks, everybody. Sports Jam is a WBGO news production. You can check out all the podcasts by going to WBGO.org slash Sports Jam. Find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts and on iTunes. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.